and welcome to Sex at Every Size, where two sisters, Haley Rausch and Cassie Wilnauer, give you all the latest pop culture gaffes and answer listener questions about all things body image and sexuality. We want to offer a disclaimer here that this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Weekly check-in, fat phobia, pop culture, except we're going a little off the rails today. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it. (laughs) So uh, start us off. So uh, I guess I have a couple of things to say about... The whole lovely mass shooting headline stuff that's been going on. I had one of the people who follows me on Instagram met, like DM me about the Atlanta shooting because obviously there was pretty serious issues surrounding sexuality that went into that one in particular. Um, yeah. She said, really curious how you're feeling about the Atlanta shootings. I think it's pretty undeniable that it was race-motivated, whether the guy was even consciously real or even consciously realized that or not. But his excuse of sex addiction and targeting sex workers is also so problematic. And I feel like nobody's talking about him targeting sex workers. So I had taken the position of not really posting anything on social media about this because I'm constantly towing the line between I don't want to only talk about things because they're on brand and I don't ever want it to look like I'm like capitalizing on the fact that something in the media that is really a tragedy. Yeah, that's why I haven't. Yeah, on brand, quote unquote. So I just didn't want to say anything. I don't know what the right answer is on that. I don't. I don't either. Um, so I, ha- I had shared a few things that other people had said that I agreed with um, that are sort of in my same field, but I hadn't made any post or statement about it otherwise. And it's hard because like, I want to highlight it and bring the discussion to the table in a meaningful way. But I also, like I said, I don't want it to like be like a me thing. So I don't know. It's complicated. It is complicated. Um, so that's, and ultimately that's what I told this person. I was like, you know, I have so many thoughts about it. I struggle when things like this come up because I don't want it to seem like I'm speaking up about something to seem on brand. And really the issue is just so multi-layered. I listened to the Daily by the New York Times and they did an episode last week about the the legal perspective and how it's really difficult to get things classified as a hate crime and that for Asian Americans in particular, there aren't any like overt symbols like a Confederate flag or a swastika that allows for it to be really clear and be able to say, oh yes, that was definitely like a hate crime. Um, That was absolutely motivated by that person's identity. Um, And they did a great episode on that, and I'm not an expert on these things, and I really do recommend listening to that if you're curious about that perspective. And so that's part of it. But as far as, like, the the sex addiction piece, I'm just like, I don't really (laughs) understand. Well, first of all, like, sex addiction isn't actually a, a thing, right? Like, no. Like, it's a compulsion, perhaps. It is something that you might do um, because there's a self-soothing element to it. and Right. It's like a coping mechanism. Absolutely. And it might be something that you're doing, again, like sex addiction. What the fuck? What, what exactly are you addicted to, dude? You addicted to ejaculating or addicted to masturbating? Are you addicted to having, do you think that you're having too many thoughts about that are sex related? Like, what's the... It's very broad to say sex addiction, and it really doesn't tell us anything at all. Right. Yeah. No, I think that makes perfect sense. It doesn't really tell us anything at all either. 
Yeah, so I struggle with that part. I'm like, okay, so no. Obviously, there are things outside of, I mean, regardless, like what this kind of shows us, well, what all mass shooting shows us, because there's always an underlying like layer as to like why these things go on. It's just more than, there's more that needs to be addressed than just gun legislation, right? Like that's kind of where we're going with this, is that it's not just gun legislation that we need to do in order to prevent these mass shootings. There's so much deeper than that. Yeah, I agree. Because as we are now like six days out from that particular shooting, so now that we we had another one, right? The Boulder yeah. shooting and 10 more people have died. And I, so that's something that, that I think a lot about too. Like I don't, last week we had other things to talk about. We could talk about the the sex shaming. We could talk about this idea of a quote unquote sex addiction. We could talk about how that person was actually just brought up in a culture that shamed him for his sexuality and forced right. him to repress his sexuality and um, self-loathing developed to a point that he felt it was necessary to take it out on other humans because of the sexuality that they represented. I don't think we're talking enough about how I think people want to undervalue those people because they they were sex workers or or may have been sex workers, um, and they want to devalue their lives for that. And right, that's completely unacceptable. Just full stop. That's not acceptable. Sex work is work, and there's that does not make you less of a human, and it certainly doesn't make your life less valuable. Yeah, it was almost as if he was placing the blame on them as to why he was the way he was. <laughs> no, that's exactly, no, it's not almost, that's exactly what he was doing. So, um, and then addition, in addition to that, like, we can talk about fetishization of Asian and dehumanization women. of Asian women. Oh, yeah. And the media absolutely contributed to his targeting those particular women for the way that we portray them in everything. All forms of media. Yeah. Yeah, in everything, and, like... Their identities created a market for their work, but it also created, like, a horrible Arm. lack of safety. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, I've heard a lot of stories of Asian women being, like, harassed, um, actually. Like, whether it's online and, like, they'll get, like, DMs just asking for pictures. And it's, like, a, it's definitely... And I don't know that many Asian people, so it's like if I if the few that I I have encountered and have uh, expressed that to me, like it's an issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. So I just mm, I don't know. I have a lot to say about that. But then, like as we come into this week's shooting in Boulder, you know, immediately they're coming out and talking about gun control, and I'm not opposed to gun control. Like uh, clearly. These things don't happen in other countries because guns aren't there. And I realize that we are founded on completely different principles and that we can go back and forth on that until the end of time and never really come up with a good answer. So I don't, I'm not an expert on that, and I really don't have much to say about it. I think that we could focus on gun control, and it would probably be helpful. But I also think that the thing that we're not focusing on that we absolutely need to be focusing on is the fact that, like— the issue that we're dealing with is not the root cause of these problems. Like, there's toxic masculinity at the core of all of this— The issue is that people on the conservative side don't want to talk about toxic masculinity. They think that's something that people on the left have made up and have created to be a problem that doesn't really exist. And the reality is that if they were to admit that toxic masculinity does contribute to these things and actually want to do something about these things, then that gets way too close to actually admitting that the gender binary is harmful and they don't want to do that no that would fuck up all their plans so toxic masculinity is like 
the the bottom of the things the list of things that they would want to address i feel like because then it would just they thrive blow, off of it yeah it would blow up their entire setup of every who's the leader of the republican party right now donald trump the leader also of toxic masculinity like no they're they have they're not in the business of doing that i know that there are factions of the Re- republican party that are trying to distance themselves from donald trump but Trumpism is alive and well and will probably continue to be a force in our culture for many years to come, unfortunately. So, yeah, I don't have the answers, but I think that sometimes I feel like it's kind of like a smoke and mirrors act to start talking about gun control legislation immediately when it's like, well, let's actually like let's talk about like these the cultural phenomenon that's happening here and how that could be addressed and how that could change things if we actually decided to care about them. I totally agree. I just think it's going to take a long time for people to even engage in that conversation, unfortunately. And then, like, and and I just feel like I heard about this in passing, and I did not look it up, and maybe it's something we could Google quickly. I'm not really sure, but I was just thinking about, I think it was, like, just last week they were talking about taking back, I think it's, like, the Violence Against Women Act, which should be named, like, Men Who Are Violent Against Women Act, but whatever, Um, (laughs) that... I think it was a part, a provision in that that said that, you know, like if you've been charged with domestic violence, that you're no longer eligible to have a license to carry a weapon. And I think they were talking about taking that back or they did take it back. I'm not really sure, but I read something. I I think this was an older article that I read, though. Um, I read something about them trying to do something like that because 54% of all shootings, I believe it said, go back to someone who is related okay so either like an ex-girlfriend or a family member is involved in that shooting like even if there's like a group of people shot like the next girlfriend mm-hmm. or a family member is involved in like 54 percent of those shootings but this was a, this was an or- older article i think like a year or two ago um so i know okay. at that point that's something that was being talked about at least well i guess i i, I, t- I have a real issue with that part of legislation even being considered being taken away because the reality is that that's a good first step at us actually addressing toxic masculinity in the law. Exactly. Yeah, you're pointing out it directly, like the violence against women by men is happening. And not even just against women. Like, if you have a domestic violence charge, you might have been violent with your children. You might have been violent with your mother. Like, yeah, you might have been violent. Like, it might have been a a thing between two adult brothers. Like, whatever. But, like, just the fact that you have demonstrated a need to have power and control over someone else is absolutely a hallmark of toxic masculinity. And it's enough to say, like, you probably don't need to own a gun. Yeah. Because, one, you are violent, and two... You have all of the trappings of a person that is likely to potentially use that weapon in a way that's not going to be good for a group of a large number of people. Exactly. Plain and simple. So I don't know. I obviously do not presume to have all of the answers. And I am very fascinated to have more and more discussions about this. So very happy to have people email us, DM us, whatever they would like to do so we can talk about that a little bit more. Definitely. Because I don't, I don't, I don't really know what the answers. Obviously, I don't know what the answers are. I'm just another person. But uh, it's definitely a discussion to continue having and give us some more insight if you have it, different perspectives, or how you think, you know, toxic masculinity has played into the role of uh, gun violence. If we just, like, also spent 
not just allowing men to have emotions, but like teaching them how to regulate their emotions, then maybe this stuff wouldn't happen as much because whenever like you, I've been figuring out how to regulate my emotions for my entire life and I still suck at it some days. So like, how do we expect men to know how to regulate their emotions if we never even try to teach them? I completely 100,000% agree with you. And I saw a meme this morning. I want to say Nanny McBee posted it that said on her of story. Course. I know she's God. the best. <sighs> yeah. So it was a post that said men labeling or marketing women as the more emotional sex is something like that was a really great way to rebrand anger as not an emotion. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and I was just like, Hmm. And yet, and yet, if a woman is angry, exactly, I was. That's exactly what I was about to say. And is a person of color. Holy shit! Is that not acceptable? Yeah, not acceptable. Then it is all of a sudden an emotion, and it is not okay. Why don't you just calm down? Yeah, just calm down. It's nothing ever made anyone calm down like being told to calm down. <laughs> God. <laughs> all right. Well, that was the worst. Probably uh, moving on to our question. For the day? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We don't have a lot of context for who this person that asked this first question is. We're actually going to do two little, well, kind of questions. The first one is definitely a listener question. The second one is sort of a conglomeration of things. So I don't I don't know who, like, I don't know, like, their gender or their age. But it looks from the question like it is probably a someone assigned female at birth. So go right ahead. So we'll at least, I mean... We're going to answer it from that perspective, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Because it's more... We'll, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. All right. So um, I've never had an orgasm with a partner. I can come quite easily on my own, but I've never been able to with a partner. In a past long-term relationship, my partner saw my vibrators and mentioned that I should throw them out as I didn't need them anymore since I was with him. I'm sorry. This is... Um, <laughs> I'm already irritated. Um, I felt bothered by this, but I didn't say anything and went ahead and threw them all out. Why? I now want to enjoy partnered sex and have orgasms if possible, but I don't even know where to start. Help. I'm bothered. So you already had some comments. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) My opinions are strong. Um, So I have a lot of thoughts. Not unusual. Nope. Very common to struggle to have an orgasm with a partner, but be able to have an orgasm on your own. Um, so just right off the bat, I want to say people that are experiencing that are not broken. That is super common and actually makes quite a lot of sense when you understand how much the brain is involved in making an orgasm happen. And then the other part is toxic masculinity. (laughs) It is. And like, I want to be fair that this man probably like, he thought he was being funny. He probably saw no He maybe thought he was being funny or he maybe actually just like truly believed from, yeah, the terrible mainstream porn that he was watching that like he would always be enough and that he could make it all happen and that that's how it was supposed to be. I put that in air quotes. (laughs) Right. There's a really good chance that that's how he felt. There's also a really good chance that the ingrained toxic masculinity made him feel inferior because she could get off in a different way or that she just had something else. But the reality is, no matter what your partnership is, your entire sexuality does not have to rely on that other person. You're still allowed to have your 
I mean, obviously, you guys need to discuss what the contract, you know, between the two of you is regarding monogamy and other partners. But as far as, like, yourself, you're allowed some privacy around your own (laughs) self-pleasure. Yeah. Even within a relationship. That is normal. So there's that. And there's just so much. I just, I, yeah. First of all, that's a lot of money. I'm just okay, I'm yeah, also, we can talk about that. For a <laughs> I'm sorry, like just for a second. Like, holy shit. Like, that stuff is not cheap, and you threw them out. I made a TikTok yesterday that I have not released yet, but it has like there's vibrators in the like on the in the video, and I was making it. And afterwards, like my husband was already like, oh. I'm like, honey, people don't know if these are ours or not ours. Like, relax. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could have these at work just to like show people so that they understand what different options they have. Like, you're making this a bigger thing in your own head. And I was like, it's not like I, like, told people what we do in the bedroom. Calm down. Yeah. (laughs) But then afterwards, he was like, God, that's like $500. (laughs) (laughs) That shit is expensive. We didn't buy them all at once. My God. (laughs) So true. So, like, I'm just, yeah, aside from everything else, I'm just shook by the fact that you're bothered by this. Well, I guess what I'm, what the thing I kind of want to get down to is like, yes, we can talk on and on and on about the toxic masculinity within the guy that said that, but she was internalizing it as well. Yes. Because she went ahead and did it. Exactly. She just was like, and there was something in you, the question asker, that you didn't feel comfortable enough in that moment to say to him, well, actually, this is how I orgasm best. Like, this is how I can most reliably have an orgasm. And I'm sure that there are other ways but I'm not really willing to give this up. Right. And there was something in you that felt like that wasn't comfortable. And this really highlights and gets down to that point of, it makes sense that you have struggled to have an orgasm with a partner because this was a past long-term partner that saw your vibrators and mentioned that you could throw them out because you didn't need them anymore. So possibly in many of your relationships, you have never really felt comfortable to talk to your partner about what you know works for your body. Exactly. So it kind of goes back to like being able to have an important conversation with your partner, not only about, well, there's two things I feel like that weren't okay. obviously talked about um, with your partner. First of all, you, you weren't able to communicate to your partner what you need in order to have an orgasm. So you weren't able to have that conversation, but also you weren't able to have the conversation whenever you were bothered by something such as, you know, him saying you can throw these all out and wanting you to also bring up the fact that like, why are you, but like, why do you want me to do this? <laughs> like you're bothered by it. So you can't bring up something that you're bothered by and you can't, you weren't able to bring up the fact that, or you weren't able to have a good conversation about what brings you pleasure. And if you're not able to have that conversation, because I mean, it sounds like, you know, it's not like this happened, like while you guys were in the heat of the moment about to have sex and he was like, oh, you don't need those anymore. Like, it sounds like y'all were like cleaning up and he found them or saw them or whatever and was like, oh, well, you know, you don't really need those anymore. Right. It's not like you were in a vulnerable enough position, or I'm sorry, that he was in a vulnerable enough position, like in the middle of having sex um, to be like, well, actually, wait, whoa. And, And even if, even if you were, you still could have had that conversation. But I could understand, like, that that would add another layer to this that would be complicated. But it sounds like, you know, you're, like, cleaning up. And he sees them and he's like, oh, well. And then you just went along with it. And it's like... Yeah, that is what it sounds like. I'm curious 
what other things maybe you're not communicating about because I bet it's not just sex. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree with that 100%. So if you now want to enjoy partner sex and have orgasms if possible, I think communicating to your next partner what works for you. Yeah, and I also want to be really clear that there's a myth that goes around that if you always use a vibrator and always masturbate the same way, that you will only be able to have an orgasm that particular way, and that is absolutely false. Your body does respond and get used to a particular thing. However, it can, like, you can change that. Like, it doesn't have to be that. It might be hard for you to go from doing what you do solo to partnered sex and finding a way to, like, get that same kind of stimulation. Yeah. And so you can kind of change up what it is that you're doing and retrain your body to not need that particular thing. That is 100% changeable. That doesn't have to be a permanent thing. And and it, it still may always be the easier way for you to have an orgasm, but it, it does not have to be the only way. It's not necessarily. Yeah, it's not necessarily the only way. Yeah, and it's something you can practice on your own. Like, if you know that you've been masturbating in a particular way that's going to be very challenging to replicate with partnered sex, you're either going to do that on your own with the help of your partner kind of next to you before you engage in intercourse or after you engage in intercourse. Or maybe you don't engage in intercourse at all because who needs it? (laughs) And then... (laughs) That's up to you. (laughs) Right. And, like, like, that is sex, I think everyone wants to think of sex as like, well, the P goes in there inside the V and then that's what sex is. And it's like, but then it's not though. No, there's a lot more to sex than just that. (laughs) So, yeah. If that's that's... all sex was, I'd be out. Ew, yeah, no, that'd be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And don't get me wrong. Like, I enjoy having partnered sex with people that have penises. Like, that's a thing. Oh, for sure. I do personally enjoy, but (laughs) if that's all it was... Who needs you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, do you have any last thoughts on this one? No, I think we pretty well covered it. I just want to address the toxic masculinity part again because it just really frustrates me. <laughs> no, uh, let's do it. But if you are a man and and you are listening to this, just like and you have found yourself feeling, you know, a certain type of way about your significant other having a vibrator or whatever, um, just really try to sit with that and. Uh, unpack why you feel that way. Yeah, and actually, let's talk about the flip side of that. So the the flip side of this and the part that actually does harm men is that you are putting a tremendous amount of pressure on yourself to be the one thing that brings pleasure to her. And that is like a huge reason why men come to sex therapy. Like, men will come to sex therapy because they're like, I just... I'm so nervous and I, I can't I can't get hard, I can't stay hard, or or I lost it once and now I'm terrified I'll lose it again. And it's like, um, sweetheart, if you lose it, switch to something else. Yeah. Like if you lose it, that's fine. Like there is a million other things that you can do that doesn't that will bring her pleasure and bring well, yourself pleasure for that matter. That goes and don't right require back, an erection. Yeah, that that goes back to the whole idea of like the penis being the the main event main event yes the main event that's what i was trying to say the main event Mm -hmm. of sex and the the star of it and like that's not that's not just a lot of pressure that's a lot of pressure (laughs) that is a lot of pressure and that's not all that sex is like we just were talking about yeah so that's kind of what i want to say about that is like if that is something that you if you are someone who has a penis and that is something that you have believed to be true that's a story that i would love to rewrite for people in this culture is like your penis is not the star of the show it might be wonderful it might be beautiful your partner might love it (laughs) 
<laughs> like, and I understand that things. it probably, it probably brings you a great deal of pleasure, and that's wonderful. Good for you. Um, but it's not the main event, and it's harmful to everyone to constantly be telling that story. I wouldn't want that kind of pressure. <laughs> Dude, me neither. That's a lot. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> So moving on, I have had people in my DMs on Instagram asking me about when the right time to go to sex therapy is, if they're ready for sex therapy, and what to do before they go to, quote, exhaust all other options first. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I'm curious. Well, there's tons of things that you can do first, um, and then you don't actually have to do anything first if you would rather just go to a sex therapist and start working with them. Um, some of the things can that I you guess can do first? first. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> Um, I'm going to guess that you probably shouldn't go once you've exhausted all other options, maybe a little bit before then. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like there's really never a wrong time to go. Like, and I really don't think that there is a wrong time to go, but there is certainly a sweet spot where it might be the most effective. It might be the most helpful. But that like doesn't mean if you don't go in that sweet spot that you're not going to like get massive benefits from it. Right. Absolutely. No, you're completely right. And the thing that you get from, you know, a chunk of therapy now might be a different thing than you're going to get from it here in six months and might be a different thing than you're going to get from it in four years. Like it's everybody's kind of on their own path and doing growth at their own pace. Ultimately, like if you're in a relationships. So like, there's kind of two different ways to look at it. Are you wanting to go to sex therapy as a couple or are you wanting to go to sex therapy as an individual? And knowing whether you've exhausted those options or all of that is going to be based a lot in like, how well are you communicating and how much of the issue do you feel like is personal and more on are you taking a lot of blame, I guess, is partly what I'm saying. Like, are you are you accepting a lot of the blame for what has been going on in your sex life? And if you are, then it might be a great idea for you to come and do individual. Not because I think you're broken and you're fucking it all up for everyone, but because... <laughs> Maybe to reframe that. Got, <laughs> yeah, like, you've got some stuff to work through to figure out, like, oh, this isn't all about me, but here are some things that I'm struggling with, maybe from my past, past relationships, childhood stuff, or just general underlying beliefs about sexuality that aren't working for me, those kinds of things. So that's one thing. The other thing is, like, there's amazing books out there about sex and sexuality that can be so, so helpful. Um, Like, Becoming Cliterate by Lori Mintz and Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Those are great, great books that will give you a really good understanding of sexuality, especially female sexuality. And ultimately, like, if if you're not sure, if so if you are a part of a couple and you want to figure out if you should go to sex therapy, it's really helpful to try communicating in a way that's different than the way that you have been, because if it's not, if it has not been effective. If you are feeling like, you're struggling with even communicating with each other about it and you need someone else to help because it's just not working, that's a great indication to go to therapy. Conversely, if you guys are communicating really, really well and it's still just not getting better, also a really great time to go to sex therapy. So those are kind of two ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, that makes sense. That would both be really helpful. Um, And also, if you feel like it's a couple problem, but your partner doesn't want to come to sex therapy, 
you can still go on your own and there's a ton of work that can be done solo without your partner there. So ultimately, it's kind of up to you to decide when you're ready for it, but there's not like a right or wrong answer. And I think people think of, I think a lot of times people think of going to therapy as a part of a couple as like the kiss of death. Like, oh, this is the thing you do before you get divorced or you break up or whatever. Yeah. That's so not true with sex therapy. <laughs> it's not true with all therapy, to be fair. But it's really, really not true with sex therapy. Like, we're just going to help y'all figure out how to communicate really well. <laughs> well, it's because there's so much. I just feel like there's so much that hasn't been talked about. Like, we're just now able to start talking about sex. So I think that there's not a lot out there for... Well, and some people aren't where we are even. So... right. I get a lot of people who, and this can be like the great benefit of coming to sex therapy is like, I talk about this shit all day long. Right. So they learn how no to problem. Yeah. It, it might just so be then, them. It might just be them learning that you can even talk about this stuff. Like, because usually it is something that is more, like, it's like taboo to talk about. Yeah. So I do a really good thorough intake that I ask really specific questions about people's sex and sexuality and their sexual history. Not just so that I can have an understanding of where they're coming from, which is really important, but also so that they understand, like, it's normal for us to be talking about these things and get themselves more comfortable talking about these things. And they know that there's not something that they're not allowed to bring up with me. Yeah. And it's just a, a really good place for you to go and change your perspective on sex and sexuality because... There's a lot that you can do, right? Like, you can be following people like me on Instagram. You can be, you know, watching all the TikTok videos, all the YouTube videos, all the all the stuff that's out there, reading all the books. But when you actually get to come into a room and develop a relationship with another human and that is so open with talking about these things and you get to build that confidence in yourself, like, that's the magic of sex therapy is that you're like, oh, I'm not a freak, for having these thoughts and feelings and wanting to talk about this stuff or any of that. Exactly. Like, yeah. I think that's the amazing part of it. So I think that there's like just a lot of um, just being able to get to a point where you can talk about this stuff and again, realize you're not a freak because we haven't talked about it for so many years. So it does feel a little bit new or you might still think, you know, there's a lot of shame surrounding it. So if we can help relinquish that. Well, and like, Going back to even, you know, what we were first talking about in this episode with the oppressive culture around sex and sexuality that we live in, you know, I realize that not all of us have been brought up in, like, a really strict evangelical upbringing, but, like, the impact of evangelicalism on our culture overall, like, especially for those of us that grew up in purity culture, yes. that was so big when we were growing up, like, all of that, it's... It, <laughs> It's really hard to feel comfortable talking about this stuff. You feel like you're not allowed to, and you are. Come to me. I will help you feel safe. <laughs> we will have the conversations, and it will be great. <laughs> that reminds me. This is a little anecdote. I have someone that I work with. She's um, in her 60s, and she's um, she's religious, and I've gotten her to talk a little bit about sex, and it's a huge win. <laughs> I love that so much. I know. She's like... <laughs> She's just like, oh, I I love sex. And she also mentioned something about how porn is bad and stuff like that. So you can kind of tell where she's coming from as far as the the shame and how, how she feels around sexuality and all that stuff. It's very, mm -hmm. from a shame standpoint, 
and stigmatizing standpoint. So the fact that I was able to get her to talk about it a little bit, I was like, let's go. Let's be open about this. Yeah, no, there there is something to that because it is something that you would think culturally from her perspective that would be uh, like a big no-no to talk about. But Yeah. All right. So from there, what do you got for... You got a body image, sexy in for the week, sexy in, sexy win, or an insight epiphany? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I have been making TikTok videos for a couple of weeks now, and I'm really enjoying making them. I love it. I <laughs> have started getting people following me. The comments that I'm getting right now are like, I don't know if this is my target audience. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of, so what's happening in in the comments on a couple of my videos is people arguing about, like, I had a woman who, her like, in her, like, username, grandma was in there, and, like, judging by her picture, she is a grandma. And, and the things that she said, she's in her 60s. So, well, I think the video was, like, how to, it was one of the how to ask your partner for what you want in bed videos that I did. And she had said, like, oh, don't even bother. Like, once they once they get in their 60s, they're not changing whatever they do. They're going to do it exactly the same way. It doesn't matter what you say you want and what you say you need. And I was like... I hate that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, why are you fucking them then? Yeah. What's so the point? instead of saying that, which was the thought that I had, I was just like, I mean, if your partner doesn't care about what you want, it sounds like solo sex might be the preference. <laughs> exactly don't even bother yeah but the most interesting thing was that i had women saying that and then i had a bunch of men also that seemed to be among quite a a similar demographic to this woman saying i think this video is for women it's always up to them whether or not they're going to try something and usually they won't and it was like nasty like just yeah just shitty comments like that like it doesn't matter what you tell a woman that you want to do like they're not interested they won't do it interesting i know so there's like this huge juxtaposition between these i'm like first of all maybe y'all need to meet yeah yeah it's like first of all it sounds like you want to try new things but then this woman's saying that y'all don't want to try new things (laughs) so which one is it i don't know i'm very confused but i'm grateful to be getting comments so that it sounds like to me they want to try new things that's going to bring them pleasure not new things that's going to bring the other person pleasure you know that is kind of what it sounds like but and, and we can say that of those men, but it sounds like that's also what she was saying, too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I see. And there's an what argument. Really, that, I, I, I don't know. I just, I think there's something in there about... I feel like these comments are going to give you some insight. I know. So that's kind of my win, is that I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'm getting a little bit more of an insight it, into how other people view sex and sexuality, so I can speak more to that. Because I know how people like our age, right. for the most part, view it based on just my peers and the people I talk to. Well, and, and also they're making TikToks about it. Yes, that too. Um, but to see older people, I don't know, it's been interesting. Although, you know what, it's also, it's, some of it is like living in a vacuum, right? Like I'm in this program where I'm learning all the time about sex and sexuality from a vast amount of different people. And often we've had a ton of presentations by people who are older, the author of Becoming Cliterate that I mentioned earlier, Lori Mintz, like, she's done a course for us, and she's fucking incredible, and absolutely follow her on Instagram. She's fucking hilarious. But, like, she calls herself, like, the sex granny or something like that, because she is older, (laughs) but she's, like, 
her whole, all of her research and everything that she talks about is all about closing the orgasm gap and helping women have more orgasms when they're partnered with men because it's a huge issue and there's a big disparity there. I, I guess, so what I'm saying is that like, I see things from that perspective and then I sometimes forget, sometimes out of protectiveness, <laughs> that because I have my social media just so, so I don't have to see anything that makes me very upset. Exactly. <laughs> that there are like these huge amounts of other people that are experiencing other things. So I guess that's my win is that viewers can really like teach me stuff too. And I love that. That is very exciting. Yeah. What's your win? I finished my first round of classes for lactation consultants stuff, I guess. Certification? Certification, <laughs> yes. So, um, cool. yeah, I had to do like a three-month course and before I start the actual program. So I finished that this weekend. Yay! And now I have a week off before things start. And so I guess I have realized that I am okay not being in school anymore because if anything about being back in school has taught me, it's that I do love learning, but I'm good for now. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that part of it. Um, I'm still, don't get me wrong, very, very, very excited to be doing this program. I think it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for me um, and everything like that. So, and I definitely still want to do it. Um, I've just definitely realized that I am okay not being in school. It's not the easiest of things. No, it's not easy. But I have, okay, here we go. This is more of a win. I have really worked very hard on caring a little bit less about it. So the reason why school was, one one of the reasons why school was so hard, why college was so hard is because I wanted to make sure I learned everything. And I also wanted to make sure I got really good grades. That was super important to me. I've worked really hard the past three months on taking, I obviously want to learn as much as I can, but there's an online component to this class and I'm not great at online. And I just like told myself, you know what, that's fine. Learn as much as you can, but like eliminate that pressure of of trying to make sure all of your assignments are perfect and you're doing everything perfectly before completing an assignment and get your work done. And that's actually helped a lot. I didn't think it was something I'd be able to do. Because in the beginning, I was like, I have to do all this stuff. I have to like, get this grade. It has to all be perfect. Yeah. And-, and then by the end of it, not that you should be this lax, by the end of it, I got an email and she's like, usually our, all our assignments were due on the same day every week, but our last assignment was due not on the same day. So I missed it, obviously, because my brain. And <laughs> I got an email and she's like, hey, so I know it's a different day this time. So I'm sure you just forgot. But if you want to submit this today, you'll still get credit. <laughs> <laughs> and so well, I that did. was nice. That was nice. But anyway, the point is, is I've learned to not I put learned as much to, pressure on yourself and to be okay with not being perfect. Yeah, that's an important skill. Yeah, because so nobody's perfect. Hopefully, I can trans- transition that into the next part of this course. But yeah, cool. That's exciting. Good luck. I love it. Thank y'all. If you have any comments, corrections, or have a listener question for us, please email us at sexateverysize at gmail.com or DM us. We are on Instagram at sexateverysize. I am at Cassie Willnauer LPC on Instagram, TikTok. You can find me on Twitter if you care to. You could always ask questions there too if you should so desire to. We want to say thank you to Dan at Extension Audio for doing our editing for us. 
we appreciate it. And we know that we say like a lot and that I know very little about how all this works. So when you email me, sometimes I'm confused. <laughs> um, thanks for doing so, that, Cass. Appreciate it. Yeah. You bet. You bet. I'm willing to look like a derp. That is fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... Oh, um, please, if you're on Apple Podcasts especially, um, subscribe, rate, and review for us. That really helps. And we are so grateful to our listeners. Please send us questions. Thanks for being here, guys. Bye. Bye.